Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Ribbon of darkness over me Since my true love walked out that door Tears I never cried Ribbon of darkness over me Clouds gathering over my head They chill the day and hide the sun And shroud the night when day is done Ribbon of darkness over me Rain is falling on the meadow Where once my loving I did lie now she's gone from the meadow, my love, goodbye. Ribbon of darkness over me, where once the world was young as spring, where clouds did bloom and birds did sing. Ribbon of darkness over me. Fruitless pear trees 
and there's a beautiful pink uh, blooming. I don't know if it's a plum, fruitless plum. They are just, um, they are alive and kicking all over Albuquerque and absolutely gorgeous, including two in our backyard. So we know spring is trying. We know spring is trying to arrive. Well, you you finally got some color out in Albuquerque, so that's a good thing. We did. uh, Yeah, yeah. we do. Yeah, we're we're dealing with allergies now, so that's that's just Mm. a ton of fun. But anyway, hey, we have a fantastic show today. We're celebrating Women of the West and Western Women. And who are joining us today on the Campfire Cafe? Um, In just a moment or two, Miss Belinda Gale will be with us and then award-winning cowgirl poet or poet, uh, Teresa Burleson, joins us in the second half of the hour. And who do we have in hour two? Jackie Turnbull is going to be joining us, and we're going to be talking about the Great American Ranch and Trail Horse. Trail Horse. See, my allergies are kind of screwing with me. The Great American trail and ranch horse sale that's coming up in just a couple of weeks. So we look forward with with, uh, talking with Jackie in just a little bit on Saddle Up America. But right now, let's take a listen to a great song from Miss Belinda Gale. It is from her album, Granite Mountain. It's one called Cowgirl Creed. When we come back, we'll be talking with America's Western sweetheart, Miss Belinda Gale. Take nothing but a whole lot of heart Iron will and gumption I'll just use What the good Lord gave me So don't call me honey Don't, don't call me baby
Legacy Radio Network. We just heard Cowgirl Creed with words and music by Templeton Thompson and Sam Gay, performed by Belinda Gale. Raised on ranches in Nevada's Carson Valley and in the Sierra Nevada foothills near Sequoia National Park, our first guest, Belinda Gale's ranching heritage and love of the West, runs deep in the fabric of who she is as a person and as a performer. A natural entertainer with a dynamic and captivating voice, Belinda's warm, kind, and vibrant personality, as well as her twinkling eyes under the brim of her wide cowboy hat, has caused her to be dubbed by fans as America's Western Sweetheart. Please welcome back to Campfire Cafe, performer named one of the top 50 country and Western entertainers by American Cowboy Magazine, Belinda Gale. Hey, welcome, Belinda. (laughs) Hello, my friend. How are you? (laughs) That was so sweet. I I always get embarrassed when people read that, those It's all true. It's all true and and more. (laughs) You're so sweet. Thank you. That was a lovely introduction. Thank you. (laughs) As as Ranger Doug once said, and I will never forget this, Mm. Bobby Bell can do his eulogy if if uh, what's the guy's name with the Grand Ole Opry that's not there now? Oh, um, uh, Stubbs. Um, Stubbs, um, that's right. Stubbs. Ernie yeah, Stubbs. Um, Ernie Stubbs. Ernie, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So he said, Ernie, Ernie's first. If if Ernie's not around, it's Bobby Bell will do my eulogy. Yeah, so. yeah. Anyway, oh. welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you. It's been a while. It's been a while. How are y'all doing? We're all good. We are all very good. good. Yeah, we're just talking about the weather and the changes and uh, the yeah. allergies that are going around at this time of the year. And, and uh, I talked about this a couple All of weeks that. ago. The grass came up, and uh, and I said, Mary Kay is going to have to cut the grass, and she did. But that has been three weeks. That's been three weeks, and it hadn't had to be cut again. You know, it's yep. been so cold. Yep. How's the Texas well, weather? I would just- Oh, it's it's beautiful today. It's a little overcast and muggy, but as South Texas is, um, but it's you know in the high 70s. But I just got back from being on the road about a month, and I had like a neat, like crazy weather. I was in in Mesquite, yeah. Nevada, which was lovely, mm-hmm. and then I then I went up to Reno, where I was there when they were having all those bad blizzards and dropping feet of snow oh, and. Goodness. And my my cousin and I were driving from there back to Arizona for my cowgirl weekend, and we had to delay leaving Reno by three days. We barely made it because we couldn't get out. We were snowed in. 
So, so then wow. you get down to, of course, Arizona was beautiful, and then back to Reno and got snowed on again. So it was just like, <laughs> my poor body doesn't know what kind of weather you know, it's Oh, gosh. But, but knock on wood, I'm good. Well, good. Um, good, good. Ahead, I was just going to ask quickly, Belinda, since you're talking about your travels and you posted fabulous um, pictures on Facebook, were you in the Donner Pass area? You made a comment about, what was it, 48 feet of snow? Yeah, that in the, was, um, I, was a, I was about probably a half hour from there where I was because, staying you know, yeah. we We all yeah, know the got, story she, sort of of the Donner of the Party. Donner and party. when I read that, yeah. I thought that's exactly what they were dealing with, you know. <laughs> sure. Oh my gosh! Yeah. You know, we actually remarked about that because when, when I mean, because we woke up in the in the morning and we had like you know like a foot of snow, and then it was just coming down and just just I mean, you could barely see. And by the yeah. end of that, end of the, and her husband kept going out and clearing the sidewalk and getting on his tractor and trying to keep the road clear. And by the time like two days were done, it was in her yard was probably five or six feet of snow. In her yeah, yard. wow, and, and wow. It, and there are pictures of the Tahoe area where people, literally the snow was up to their roof line, and they were, like, digging these, you know, just little oh. channels. <laughs> uh, yeah, channels. Wow. <laughs> it's well, it's been, it it's been kind of fun to watch uh, all of these <laughs> posts on Facebook where people are, and they've got snow that's coming down. And Trinity Seeley was on, was that uh, last week, I guess. Last, and, uh, last week, yeah. Yeah, when I called her, she was wading through rain. I think they'd had 50 inches of rain and muck and stalls mm-hmm. trying to get things oh, done. Nice. But weather, yep. weather is interesting. Well, I want to get to the title cut from Granite Mountain. And uh, tell us about where this song came from for folks that are not familiar with Granite Mountain. Well, I... I'll try to do the abbreviated version. Okay. Um, Granite Mountain is a landmark. Um, Granite Ma- Mountain National Forest is a is a landmark area in the Prescott, Arizona area where we lived for about six years. And it was right behind our house, which was the first home that we lived in when we moved there. It is um, by its name. It's covered with granite outcroppings all over the mountain. And it is a natural habitat because of all of the, the granite rocks for mountain lions. So there's a huge mountain lion population. It has about 200 miles of trails all over the mountain. A beautiful, beautiful mountain. And when I first moved there, I was so impressed with it and the history and some of the lore of the of the mountain that I started to write a song about it. And um, to make a long story short, there was um, a, a fire that happened, um, the, the Dosi fire, which came up right to the back of our house and was saved by the firefighters and, and they jumped slurry on the house and hotshot crews cut a break and it burned right up to the break and stopped and saved the whole neighborhood. And then about 10 days later, the, um, that same crew, we actually met the crew uh, that had just saved our home because I, I had been on the road. I came back in, was escorted in by a deputy. Of course, it was evacuated, escorted in by a deputy to get some things that I needed to get back on the road again, more CDs, what have you. And we got to meet the crew that had literally, the hotshot crew that had cut the swath and saved our house. They were like hanging out on our deck <laughs> when we pulled wow. into our house. It was it was very cute. But we got to shake their hand and meet them and them. And it, that was just really a, a wonderful moment. And I remember driving away and remarking how young they were um, to my husband. 
And then about 10 days later, I was on tour in Texas, and I got the word from my husband that they had perished in the Yarnell Hill fire. It was the Granite Mountain, you know, hot shots. And yeah. it was so – and I had been writing that song, the Granite Mountain song, and I just – you know, living with a songwriter, I'm sure you know that t- there's times you just kind of get – you get to a point in a song where essentially it should be done, but as the songwriter, you know it's not done. You know something right. – it's missing something, whatever. So you, so you sometimes you just put them away for a while and then bring them back out again with fresh eyes and a fresh heart to look at them. Mm-hmm. And so when I had put that song away, cause I thought, I thought every, all the elements were there, but it just, something was missing. I couldn't put my finger on it. So about six months later is when all this fire and all this happened and we lost the Granite Mountain 19. And um, so shortly after that, I came home. Um, we actually saw the procession of all of the 19 hearse going through Prescott. It was just incredibly mm-hmm. emotional and heart wrenching and gut wrenching. And, and shortly after that, I, I, re, I thought, that's why my song isn't finished. And so I went back mm-hmm. and added a bridge that was basically a tribute to these firefighters. And then that's how, that's how the song came about. And I dedicated the album to them. We actually have a picture, uh, a composite picture right underneath the CD that are two pictures uh, that my husband took of when he was evacuating our animals and stuff. I was actually on the road when all this was happening. And you could literally see the plane flying over our house, dumping the red slurry and the flames wow. behind the horses. And I mean, it's really a powerful picture. But so, anyway, as long as I'm alive and singing, I will. The Granite Mountain 19 will be kept alive. Their memory will not be forgotten. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. let's remember them and let's take a listen to this great song. It's Granite Mountain. Our very special guest is Belinda Gale. You're listening to the Campfire Cafe. Rises up from the valley floor Covered with rocks and so much more Lurk between the junipers and boulders Mountain lion, prickly pear There is danger, beware And don't forget to look back over your shoulder in the shadow The beauty it will mesmerize But don't forget those wary eyes Always creeping there in the hollow Granite Mountain Oh, the silhouette we know so well Granite Mountain Sometimes you are Golden cattle drew them all, we know the mountains 
to see her in concert, I would highly recommend that they go do it because she's just a lovely person on so many levels and a dear friend. And um, I heard her sing this song at an event and a few years later, and I just fell in love with the song. And she told me the story behind the song, which made it even more amazing because it is a true story, literally a true story um, of a, about a fan that wrote her a letter and she got more information about their story. She was intrigued by it and then put it to words and music. And just, um, it's just a beautiful, beautiful song. And when I approached her a few years later about putting it on this, this project, on the Granite Mountain Project, I assumed she had recorded it already because she is a singer-songwriter and puts, you know, puts her own CDs out, but she hadn't. And so I thought, and I said, well, you need to be the one to record this first. It's your song and it's an exquisite song. And she was like, no, you know, I started to put it on a couple of projects and it just, you know, for some reason I pulled it and now I know why you were supposed to be the one to sing it first. <laughs> so that is, that is the heart and essence of Joyce Woodson. She's so yes. gracious and so lovely and she really captured you know you, i mean this this is about roy rogers she never says the name but you know it right she really right. captured that influence that he had on these children when they went into these hospitals during the you know all the polio epidemics going on and so many children were it were afflicted by this horrible horrible disease and so this is just it's a true story and it's a lovely story and she wrote it beautifully and it was my honor to be the first one to record it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay gary well let's take a Get listen away. he sang for me it's melinda <laughs> gale we'll be back on the campfire cafe heard around the world online at equestrianlegacy.net spotify iHeartRadio, apple podcast and itunes out of hospitals the days wore on Then someone came to visit one rainy afternoon and changed my life with a song I knew that day was special and the nurses fussed about all us kids we didn't know what to expect he walked in with his guitar, no one made a sound. And he came and he sat down on my bed. And he sang for me, he sang for me. The greatest man I'd ever meet was sitting right by me. were a pair Though the room was full of kids In the hospital that day He shook my hand and winked and said Put her there Then he sang for me 
I do a concert one night. We have um, Cowboy Church and Breakfast on the Desert on Sunday. And we just love on these women and encourage them. And just everybody, us included, my staff included, There's, I have uh, three other women that come, their family members that come and help with all of it. And we just love on these women for four days, and they love on us. And we just kind of come away from the weekend with just feeling supercharged to get to ride a couple of times a day. We go for walks in the beautiful Sonoran Desert. It's just a, it's a wonderful, wonderful weekend, and I hope it goes on for a really long time because I, it's one of the highlights of my year every year. And every year there are amazing women that show up for this. Well, when so you see it. what you're doing, when you see what you're doing, you think, Gosh, I wish the guys could go for something like this as well. So. <laughs> well the, the guys should put together. You should put together a guys weekend. Well, like you that, know, Mary. we You're may do that. Mary, yeah, Mary Kay and I have started uh, something called Nash West Adventures. And so our oh. first trip is going to be in October to uh, Palo Dura Canyon in Amarillo. Oh, and, uh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, and I've got a good friend out there. Actually, she was on the show last week um, who has Los Cedros Ranch. And so uh, okay. we'll be we'll be riding out there and touring and going through wineries and some other things. So it's a cool deal. Oh, but, yeah, I need fun. to do a guy thing. I guess I need to do a guy thing. I know Mary Kay's you got a Nash it. West going here in Nashville. She's going to bring people to Music City a little bit later, too. But I, I need to do a guy thing. Yeah. Going. yeah. I, I think you should. I, I think there'd be guys that would be that would go for that. I think you should, Gary. I think so. Maybe you a father-son weekend. You need more stuff on your plate. I don't have enough to do right now. That's right. Yeah, yeah. That's, I, <laughs> you need more stuff on your plate. It's not falling that, off that's, yet. So that's true. You some more on. <laughs> That is true. That is true. Well, speaking of piling on and having stuff on my plate, uh, I'm, I'm on the board of Mustang Heritage Foundation. And a good friend of both of ours, Mr. Fred Wool, uh, was oh, just yes. added to the board last night. And so... Well, uh, well, congratulations to the board. They picked up yeah, a great guy. <laughs> we did. We did. And uh, And Fred actually called me this morning and I said, Fred, Belinda is going to be on the show today. And he said, well, I have pictures of us trail riding on the Buffalo River. And I said, well, we're oh, actually going to play along the Buffalo today. So he said, I'm going to, I'm going to send you those pictures. So I may post those a little oh. bit later today. Oh, that, that, that is such an exquisite. I had no clue anything like that existed in Arkansas and you know, in the Midwest. The, the, it was spectacular. It's, yeah. yeah. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, Arkansas is a pretty cool place. Uh, yep. Interesting what happens when you cross from Memphis into Arkansas across that Mississippi, mighty Mississippi River. Oh, it's, it's cool. very, it's very different. It's very different. And that history of that area was, uh, you know, of course, Fred grew up there before it was a national forest or park or whatever they call it, um, and he saw it all change. And and it was, I mean, they, they the government actually came in and it was all settled by all these homesteaders that had been there for generations. And then they came in and changed it to a park. And then one by one, they, they bought the family. Some of them were happy, sold out quickly and left and were happy to go. And others really dug their heels in and didn't want to leave. You know, one of them, of course, the lady that they called Granny. And so I write about her in that song. But by the time 
we rode out and he was telling us all these stories. We rode out to Granny's cabin and had lunch and then rode back. By the time we got back, I had the basics of this song all in my head, just riding through it, just absorbing everything. So all of the imagery and the stories in this song are being there and then from Fred's stories about the history wow. of the area. It's wow. definitely worth a trip to go do. It's an incredible, incredible area. Could be a good place for a father-son weekend with Nash West Adventures. It could, it could <clears throat> be, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've got to run because we have the fabulous Teresa Burleson that's going to be coming on oh. in just a minute. But uh, oh, for the folks, I, I, yeah. I, well, she heard you. She actually heard you. So, well, I love yeah. <laughs> but for our audience Y'all around the world sure. that would like to get Granite Mountain and other Belinda Grail music, because you have a great catalog of music, tell us how we can do that. Well, you can uh, you can go to my website, um, Belinda Gill Sings, and, and there's. It's uh, horribly out of date right now. I lost my webmaster, and I've not gotten it at success, but you can still order CDs. All the rest of it's messed up, but you can still order CDs on the website. Or you can contact me through Facebook. I'm on Facebook. Um, or just, heck, and give me a call. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Oh, gosh. Well, Belinda Gale, you are always so much fun to visit with and have on the show. Oh, and, uh, yeah, we look forward to having you back again. So we're going to close this out with Along the Buffalo. Yep, and it's always a pleasure, Gary, to be with 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 both of you guys. You just you guys just you and Bobby do a wonderful job. I'm so so proud of you. Award winning, wonderful. You guys are the best. Thank you for having Bob, me. Bobby keeps me in online, and she keeps me heading the right direction. <laughs> Somebody so. has. There we go. There we go. That's my that's that's my. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's take a, after that, let's take a listen to Long the Buffalo with Blenda Gale. We'll be back in just a minute. You See you, Blenda. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Oh, 
Teresa Burleson joins us for this second half of Campfire Cafe. Teresa is an award-winning cowgirl poet whose poems are inspired by her personal experiences, her heritage, and the Western way of life. This Texas native has an appreciation for the agricultural industries and the people who make their lives in it. Teresa's zest for life is evident in her poetry as well as her ability to make people laugh and touch their lives. Please welcome to Campfire Cafe, the 2019 and 2017 IWMA Female Poet of the Year, our friend Teresa Burleson. Welcome, Teresa. Thank you. I'm so proud to be here. It's always good to hear your voice. (laughs) We're delighted to have you. All right. Take it easy on me, Teresa. How are you? Never. (laughs) Never, right. I am richly blessed and highly favored. How about that? That's right. That's right. I like that. I like that. So um, you are in charge of the Fort Worth Museum. Well, technically it's called the Stockyards Museum. I am the director. Stockyards. Stockyards. Yeah. Yes, and I'm the administrative assistant to the North Fort Worth Historical Society that operates this museum. 
Well, tell us a little bit about the museum and tell us just a little bit about the history of the Fort Worth Stockyards. Okay. Well, this museum was started a little over 40 years ago by a group of people. Um, they, they saw that the other stockyards um, were all being torn down. Um, Chicago had the largest, and Omaha, Nebraska had the second largest stockyards. We were third largest, and there was nothing left of Chicago or Omaha. So a group of people got together and started the North Fort Worth Historical Society. Um, this area used to be – it wasn't always part of Fort Worth. There was actually Nile City and a city called North Fort Worth that were encompassed in by the stockyards. And so um, they went – to Austin, and they got this area deemed as a National Historic District, and um, we no longer herd livestock here, but we do herd tourists, and a lot of school kids right now, and um, yes, yes, Um, right now we have um, tons of school kids on field trips here in the stockyards, so it's... um, it's a different this time of year gets really busy busy for us but um the stockyards was actually the um Fort Worth Union Stockyards was incorporated in 1887 and this area remained an active stockyards until 1986 so for 99 years this stockyards helped feed America uh it was the largest stockyards in the southwestern United States wow um, wow, then, wow. But it never really prospered or grew until uh, 1902, a uh, swift meatpacking plant and armor meatpacking plant built uh, facilities here. And that's when it really, really took off and became the third largest. It was huge. We used to have over 2,600 cattle pens uh, here. Now there's about 200 left, and they're not obviously they're not used for cattle because it's no longer an active stockyards. But and then of course we had the hog and sheep barns, and we had the horse and mule barns, uh, now called Mule Alley. So yeah, uh, yeah, lots of lots of history. A lot of history, a lot of tourists, and uh, mm-hmm. and and you bring Longhorns through what once a day? Twice, twice a day, seven days. Twice, twice a day. day. They have a cattle That's drive. Amazing. Yeah, and wow. that is to commemorate our history with the Chisholm Trail because the Chisholm Trail used to go right through Fort Worth. Wow, wow. Before heading to have, Bobby, have you ever ridden? Have you ever ridden a Longhorn? Uh, <laughs> uh, no, I love the photo on the um, on the museum's uh, the stockyards uh, website, uh, just to look at the length of the horns and. Wow. Um, um, how many are in the in the herd that come through, Teresa? Well, in a normal cattle drive, they'll have just ten or twelve head. They also okay. have some longhorns that they show, and so they're uh-huh. kind of kept separate from the other guys because, you know, they have a pecking order like all animals, and they don't want their uh-huh. hides to get nicked up because they have to be pretty when they go to the show ring. Show okay, okay. <laughs> but the picture. Uh-huh. The pictures do not do it justice. Those things, uh, I don't know really how to describe it, but until you see it in person, you don't really understand how big these animals uh-huh. are and how long their horns are. Uh-huh, uh-huh. 
Yeah, so and are there are there handlers? Are there are there people walking along or riding along, or you know, you There's just let actually, them out and then you? They, <laughs> no, I mean, they probably could do it by themselves because they've been doing it for so long. But yeah. um, they do have the guys that work and a few girls that work for the Fort Worth herd, and they dress up in period um, clothing, you know, for the cattle yeah. drive days. Yeah. And they have horses, and they just uh, drive them, herd them down. Oh. The what a f- delightful opportunity to see the real yeah. West. <laughs> well, you can do that. And if, if you go to the yeah. museum and visit Teresa, there usually is a longhorn out in front of the museum that you can get on and sit and have your picture made. So you yes, could ride a, you actually you could on ride it. one. They no, don't, they just don't to charge get you off. to get on it. Just but to they, get off. But you have to, yeah, right. They charge yeah. you to get off of it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh gosh. Well, I'm going to play one of your great poems that relates okay. to the stockyards. And this is okay. If These Pens Could Talk. And we're going to come back and talk more with Teresa Burleson today on the Campfire Cafe. All righty. Thank you. In 1887, some cattlemen gave birth to the idea of a stockyards in North Fort Worth. Sheep, hogs, horses, and hundreds of cattle pens. This is where the stockyards legend begins. And if these pens could talk, we'd hear the story of the Fort Worth stockyards in all its glory. Swift and armor soon came and paved the way with Thurber bricks made of West Texas clay. It was the third largest stockyards in this nation. It has seen its share of ruin and renovation. Many people arrived from lands far away to work in the packing plants for meager pay. If these pens could talk, oh, the tales they'd tell of livestock for slaughter and livestock for sale, of feast and famine, fortunes made and lost through depression and drought, through gain and cost. If these pens could talk, they'd tell of Nile City, nestled on Marine Creek and the River Trinity. Through many catastrophes of fire and flood, of workers who shed tears, sweat, and blood. If these pens could talk, they'd tell of the Coliseum, the rodeo cowboys and the men that want to be them. Of gutsy and gritty cowgirls, daring and fast, trick riders and horses, current and past. The first indoor rodeo and Fort Worth stock show, a tradition that started over a century ago. Oh, if these pens could talk, a story would be told of cowboys and men that lived brave and bold, of wheelers and dealers, cattle sellers and buyers, of the ranchers and farmers, the crooks and the liars, of a business that made Fort Worth thrive, of outlaws that were wanted, dead or alive, a colorful history of legend and fame, of men and women that the law couldn't tame. And if these pens could talk, they'd tell of a generation that promoted, preserved, and deserved veneration. Of the people that stood up and fought City Hall, preservation was needed and they answered the call. These pens that were rebuilt, repurposed, and tore down tell the story of a bustling Texas cow town. Sadly, if these pens could talk, they would tell a tale of an inheritance that has been put up for sale. They'd tell a grand story of the good old days before greedy people brought their greedy ways. 
beckoning to all to come shop, eat, and drink. But to honor the history, they never think. It's all about money and a profit to make. They never consider what's really at stake. Circling our past like a hungry vulture, pecking away at our cowtown culture. If these pens could talk, they might even cry as they tell the legacy of the stockyards goodbye. What can we do? Well, the answer is clear. We must tell of the history to all that can hear. We must preserve what we can and pass it along and document the facts so they don't get it wrong. Yes, if these pens could talk, there's a truth they would tell. They can buy all the buildings, but our history's not for sale. Great point. Great point. If these Thank pens you. could talk. Yeah. So are you are you native to the Fort Worth area, Teresa? Yes. Um, I grew up in a surb- suburb uh, of Fort Worth, and um, for the last 25 years, so I've lived an hour west in the next county. Okay. All right. I've worked so, here. I've worked here in the stockyards for 12 years. Oh wow! 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 Well, you can see a difference in the stockyards in 12 years too, can't you? Oh yes. Oh yeah. A huge yeah. difference. Yeah. It's kind of like kind of <laughs> like Nashville. Some of our historic uh, buildings are gone, and and things oh. have changed, and they call it progress. You know. Yes. Yes, they do. <clears throat> yeah. I call it tragic, but. That's just me. I love history, and uh, I forgot that I, I forgot that I had gotten so emotional in that poem, and uh, mm-hmm. it just, um, it is, it's near and dear to my heart, and yeah, and so it's, um, it's, it is, it's very for those of us that that care about our history, it's a very emotional thing. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> when did you start your poetry? When did poetry start for you? Oh my goodness. Um, I became fascinated with the rhyming word when I was about third grade, but um, I just used to sit around finding words that rhymed. But I started writing poetry as a teenager, and, of course, it was mushy love stuff and and (laughs) silly. But um, I guess when I really started taking it serious, I was probably in my 30s, so that was 30 years ago. Oh, wow. Wow. Do you remember your first gathering or where you first performed? I certainly do. I, I Well, um, the year that Larry McWhorter passed, Larry McWhorter was someone that I really looked up to. Yeah. I mean, he was he was an excellent poet, but he was also a cowboy, and, and, and he lived in the same county that I live in now. And um, so – the year that he passed away, um, I decided that I was going to do something with my poetry. And um, so the Red Steagall Cowboy Gatherings here in the stockyards every October. And so I called the office, and they did have uh, it's sort of like an open mic. They call it the Invited Poets Session, but you had to you had to be assessed by the person that re- that had that up. Mm-hmm. So he told me to send him a, a a cassette tape that tells you how long ago it was. A cassette tape with some of my poetry on it. So I did, and I went out to the back of our property in the woods and recorded some poems and sent them the tape, and they asked me to come and 
and do that. And so I dedicated my set the very first time at a cowboy gathering. I dedicated it to Larry McWhorter. And I was scared senseless and so (laughs) nervous. (laughs) But I got through it. And that started that started it. There's no turning back. <laughs> wow. Wow. Well, I'm glad that started it and that you didn't turn back. But Yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. I want to get to another poem. So this kind of, this is a little bit different. This is uh okay. when I was looking at the poems or the poetry to play today on the show, I just had to stop at this one. Don't tell my wife. <laughs> it's a true story. <laughs> My husband gives me lots of stuff to write about. Okay. To say that. And the gentleman, the other gentleman involved in this poem, he has passed away now. He had a heart attack. So that will, when you listen to the poem, it will make more sense. Okay. Well, let's take a listen to Don't Tell My Wife. We are talking with our special guest, Ms. Teresa Burleson, today on the Campfire Cafe. Doc and Bob were good friends, the kind you'd call in a pinch. They'd come to each other's aid without so much as a flinch. Now, these cowboys were good hands, but a little long in the tooth. In fact, they weren't no spring chickens, and that's the honest truth. The story starts the day that Doc had seen his physician. Seems heart trouble had put him in a dangerous position. But Doc also had some cow trouble, so Bob got the call. You see, it was shipping time in Texas way up in the fall. Doc had moved his cattle off a lease pasture down the road, and this ornery old mott-faced cow just flat refused to load. Doc heeded the advice from his wife and cardiologist, but catching one old cow wouldn't be too strenuous. So with horses in the trailer and brandishing their ropes, and in spite of what Doc's wife said, they set off with high hopes. On the way, Doc told Bob to help preserve his married life. Bob had to promise, on his honor, not to tell Doc's wife. At the pasture, they mounted up with cocky confidence. They could catch this rank old cow if they just used common sense. No, they weren't worried. They're good hands and could handle it just fine. After all, there's two of them and she's just one old bovine. Their plan was simple. They'd rope her and drag her into the pen. Then they'd run her up in the trailer, and that would be the end. Now, Doc was good with the rope, but he couldn't seem to read her, and she kept brushing up under every scrub and cedar. Finally, after many tries, somehow they got her caught. She went to pawing the ground, throwing her head and flinging snot. Bob had slickly caught her heels and was taking up the slack, when that high-headed cow bellered and fell over on her back. Then Doc's gilding squealed and broke in two as he flew overhead. He landed with a hard thud, and Bob feared he was dead. Doc had landed on his face and broke his little finger, but he carefully remounted this was no time to linger. And he told Bob to keep it secret or he would be a louse. He had to promise once again not to tell Doc's spouse. Doc retied on hard and fast, and his horse stood his ground, and the idea he had next was nothing but profound. He told Bob, I've got a plan to bring this mess to an end. I'll scoop her up with the tractor and dump her in the pen. So Doc tied his rope to a tree while Bob took up the slack. 
Doc went to get the tractor and yelled he'd be right back. Well, they scooped her up, took off the ropes, and dumped her in the pen. Then she promptly jumped the fence and was in the pasture again. As rational, mature cowboys, they knew when they were beat. They have to hire younger hands and admit their own defeat. And once again, Doc told Bob to guard their secret with his life. No matter what, he had to swear not to tell Doc's wife. Now, Doc looked pretty rough with a bloody nose and two black eyes, and he could feel the bruising from his waist down to his thighs. Bob said, I'll never tell, for it would be a sad disgrace. But my friend, she's going to know as soon as she sees your face. Now, this story is true, and Bob kept their secret the rest of his life. And if you think this one's good, you should hear the one Doc told his wife. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Uh, Teresa Burleson. It was was several years later when Doc had a heart attack. He was actually a veterinarian. Uh, so, but oh, wow. uh, they, yeah. Anyway, it's a true story. And, and uh, like I said, my husband is my muse a lot of times. He gives me lots of stuff to write about. Uh, there is great. something that's so uh, fun about um, uh, a story that does have a little bit of a humorous last line, you know, if you're, as you're a listener and you go along and you go along and, and then you have that little twist. And I think poets are so good at that. Um, and this, this album, Between the Sun and the Moon, is just one diamond after another, Teresa. It's just, oh, thank it's just you. Wonderful. Yeah, it's thank just you. wonderful. No, no, go ahead. Oh, so there, everybody that has CDs, it's kind of like having children. You really shouldn't have a favorite, but you sometimes do. <laughs> you know, depending on what day yeah. it is. But, but uh-huh. my last... My, uh, hopefully, I've gotten better over the years, and my last album, I, I think, may be, may be my best. Until the next one. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've been um, on your website and also your Facebook page, and I see, is it true, tonight, March 23rd, you are rhyming and reciting at, is this an event, Women of the West? No, that was this. Oh, that's, oh. that's today. <laughs> it's three twenty-three twenty-three. Do you realize that it's three twenty-three twenty-three? That's right. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got it. Okay. <laughs> you but have a pretty active last, schedule coming up. Yeah. Yes, and this last um, Friday night, uh, I went. To a ranch out in Breckenridge, Texas, way out in the middle of nowhere. This is beautiful. Me and Devin, and we went and entertained a group called 40-something cowgirls. These are all women, 40 and above. And yeah. they were the most fun group. We had a blast with those <laughs> ladies. Oh, that's great. If you, um, I know that we're watching our time, of course, but if you, do you have a tip for somebody who um, is thinking they want to write poetry or they are writing poetry, but they haven't got the nerve to start reciting any tip from an award? Oh, my goodness. Well, mainly I would say um, listen to other poets and kind of study how they deliver their poetry because there are good writers that have really good poems, but 
if you're going to recite your poetry in front of an audience, the delivery is as important as the content. And yeah. um, so to me, listen to people like Red Stegall, Larry McWhorter, uh, Doris Daly, Yvonne Hollenbeck, and, you know, people that, that I look up to. I, listen, I used to listen to them. And, and kind of study their delivery. Of course, you'll get your own style, but it's important that you understand about how important delivery is. Mm-hmm. And write about Great what tip. you know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's a good point. That is a good point. Yeah. If, if well, you, let's take a listen if, to Between the Sun and the Moon, uh, and okay. we're going to come back and talk more with Teresa today on the Campfire Cafe. Here we go. There's a handful of counties in Texas that still have the open range law. It's in places where you won't find a Starbucks or a big old shopping mall. In the city, things move fast and change seems to be the name of the game. Out where we live, things are slower and life can be pretty mundane. But I think my life is rich and full of many blessings, both big and small. And it's the simple, everyday things that bring me pleasure most of all. Simple things like when the sun rises, I have work that is gratifying. Beneath the moon, flanked by family, I have rest that is satisfying. And I love the way a newborn black baldy calf has such a clean white face. And how the mama cows protect their young by bunching up all in one place. And the way their black hides and white faces look against the green of spring. Or shaded up with heads tossing and tails swatting the flies that summer brings. Watching gangly leg calves button heads and running with their tail in a curl. I love the way the mamas come running for cubes when I holler, Woo! Come on, girls! And there's no better feeling than that of a well-built cow horse between your knees. The exhilaration of 1,500 pounds moving with grace and ease. I love the creaking of my saddle and the feel of split reins in my hand. Sitting on this cowboy throne, gazing out across our family's land. The cadence of an easy trot is keeping time with my grateful heart. Thankful to be living this cherished life of which I'm proud to be a part. And I love being in my husband's arms, whirling, twirling to a Bob Wills tune. And the way my hand feels small in his calloused hand as we gaze at the moon. And enjoying a Saturday morning breakfast at the small town diner. Hearing stories of older cowboys reliving days that were finer. Hats off at the table is just good manners, especially when saying grace. It reveals the white forehead of a working man's tanned, wrinkled face. Big-hatted, tall-booted daddies hold the tiny hand of the next generation, leading by example in a culture where your word is your reputation. And you can't beat Sunday afternoon fried chicken served with potatoes and light bread discussing the morning church service and the things that the preacher said. I love hearing the squeals and laughter of the youth that is our destiny, knowing they will continue to work this land with respect and honesty. 
I love living between the sun and the moon, small town and open range. And I pray that our little piece of Texas will never have to change. Between the Sun and the Moon, the title poem from Teresa Burleson's um, most recent album, and she's been our special guest today. Teresa, how can people follow you, find you, purchase this album and such? Where do they go? Well, I have a website, TeresaBurlesonCowgirlPoet.com, and you can order my CDs there. I'm also on Facebook if they want to look for me there. And that or Teresa at the, the Stockyards yeah. Museum. You That's can find her at Fort Worth Stockyards. That's, That's right. right. Yes. Yes. And we Teresa spells I'm sorry. I was just going to say that for our listeners, Teresa spells her first name T-E-R-E-S-A, which is yes. one of the ways to spell Teresa. Yes. <laughs> we actually sell um, CDs from a lot of local artists here in the Museum, we have uh, Kristen Harris's CDs, my CDs, Devin Dawson's CDs, um, Stan Mailer's CDs, and another mm-hmm. poet named David Hansford. So. Mm-hmm. Oh, and we sell so, Red many, many, CDs many, too. many, many places oh, to yeah. find your CDs, but you'll have a yeah. great time coming down to the Fort Worth Stockyards. And Bobby, have you, Bobby, have you ever been to the Stockyards? We have not. It's it's another place on our <clears throat> on our to do list, and just spending time um, on the website for the stockyard where Teresa works and all. I'm really eager. I'm really eager to go. <laughs> well, when you, you come do, come see it now. Yeah. Yeah. When, uh-huh. yeah, okay. yeah. when you do, I want to see the picture of you riding that Longhorn. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay. Teresa, thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you. We really appreciate pleasure. it. I'm, I'm, honored, I'm honored to have been on the program with you. Thank you all so much. And thank you all for what you do in preserving our Western heritage. Well, thanks very much. I'm going to close this segment with another great poem. It's called Mama Nu. Anything you want to tell us about this one? Um. That was actually inspired by a young man that was on a television program on RFD TV, and he was talking about how wild him and his brother were, but they knew that they were still around today because their mama used to pray for him on a regular basis. All right. Well, let's take a listen to Mama Nu. It's by Teresa Burleson. And, Teresa, thanks again for being with us today. Thank you. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, what needless pain we bear, all because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. Born too early, he had a rough start, underweight and trouble with his heart. The doctors weren't sure, but his mama knew, and home on the ranch he thrived and grew. And he figures he's alive today because his mama knew how to pray. As a boy, he was rough and tumble, mostly happy and rarely grumbled. He made a hand, a cowboy sure enough, and ranching chores helped make him tough. He rodeoed and rode the rough stock. To his folks, it was no shock. Ten foot tall and bulletproof, he feared nothing with horn or hoof. And he says he's alive today because his daddy knew how to pray. 
He learned from his daddy how to work. Born to the land, no duty he'd shirk. His mama taught him faith and conviction about a savior and a crucifixion. When he left home, his mama cried. He bravely served his country with pride. Sent to fight evil wherever it's at, wearing a different kind of boots and hat. Over in Iraq and up on that roof, he found out he's not bulletproof. And he swears he's alive today because his parents knew how to pray. He married the cowgirl of his dreams. They fell in love in their teens. Before too long, they had a child, no more rodeos or living wild. To them was born a little boy, and he was his daddy's pride and joy. And he taught him to wear a hat and boots, and he showed him how to throw a loop. Then when he had just turned eight, sorting cattle and working the gate, that rank old cow got him down, wallered and mashed him to the ground. The doctor's words were full of doubt, but that little boy was strong and stout. And he lived to learn the cowboy way, because Grandma taught his daddy to pray. But here the story does not end. With him, a new chapter will begin. With each new family edition, it carries on an old family tradition. The torch has been passed, and he is heir to a legacy of faith and prayer. And they believe they have faith today because their family has known how to pray. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Well, it's time now for Saddle Up America on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. When we come back, we'll be talking with Jackie Turnbull today. Take a picture on the wall from a magazine Got a renegade heart beats in its chest Gonna beg till I borrow his way out west And a sea of stage on and on Gonna learn the way of a native son Gonna turn the
Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. That was Mary Kay Holt with her song, A Horse Called Freedom. And we're going to talk all about horses now with our very special guest, Miss Jackie Turnbull. Hey, Jackie, how are you? Hello, Gary. I'm doing very well. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. Well, glad to have you back. It's been a while since you've been on the show. What you been up to? It has, and a lot of things have happened since then uh, in our industry and the world. Did and I think it's been pre-COVID since you were on the show. Did did COVID affect the Great American Ranch and Trail Horse Sale? It did. We on twenty nineteen were not able to hold the sale because we have so many people that would come and be gathering together, and the Virginia Horse Center, as well as almost every big event, you know, did not allow that for that year. But we did come back um, after that in uh, 2020, in um, the next few years, and uh, it's been quite a change, really, in our industry since that time. Horses, for one thing, I think are selling at an all-time high almost, aren't they? They are, Gary, and I have been in this business since I was a young girl, and so I have seen the prices of horses, types of horses, um, go, you know, up and down, but we've never seen such an up as we have right now. Well, that is a good thing if you have a horse. If you're like me and I had to sell my horses when I moved to Utah and then sold Mary Kay's horses when we moved back to Tennessee, 
And so it's like, I'm going to have to go take a loan or something, I think, now. <laughs> You're exactly <laughs> right. Oh, you know, uh, uh, the Great American Ranch and Trail Horse Sale, um, in my ads and promotion, I would always say, a horse for every budget. And I actually got an email after my last sale, and uh, the gentleman very politely said, I'm sorry, but you didn't have a horse for my budget. <laughs> and I, I felt kind of bad about that. And, and you know, I understand. But um, it is a good thing for the people who are the breeders, the trainers, um, and the people who love horses and are glad to see that they are bringing an amount that reflects who and what they are. Well, I, I really am, and, uh, you know, I can remember, Jackie, and we're going to get on to the sale in just, a, in just a minute, but I can remember a few years ago when horse prices were so low that people were actually taking their horses out and turning them out on back roads and, and uh, just letting them go. They couldn't afford to feed them, and they weren't selling for anything, and so it's, it's quite a change in the last few years. And, and that's exciting. That is exciting, and that's a good thing. Well, it really is, and I remember those times, actually. And uh, I remember there was a time um, when, and that really hurt the whole industry on every level, and that was uh, during the recession. And I hope we don't see that for uh, a long time in our lifetime or, or others Forever. ahead. But, yeah. yes, I have a story. There was a, a fellow who went to a horse sale, and he took his empty trailer, and during this time when people were just giving horses away, he got in. He didn't buy anything. He got in his truck and trailer, pulled off, and realized there was motion. Someone had just loaded a horse in his trailer, <laughs> and so he I, said, "Hey, he's got a trailer. He must love horses. Here you go." Yeah, I've, I've heard of that happening. I've heard of that happening. Well, let's talk about the Great American Ranch and Trail Horse Sale that's coming up at the Virginia Horse Center in Lexington, Virginia. And the dates for that are April the 6th, 7th, and 8th. That's just right around the corner. And, uh, yes, it is. What, what can people expect to see at the Great American Ranch and Trail Horse Sale? Well, we have really added some new things that are very helpful to people who are coming to buy a horse and it may be their first time to purchase a horse, or it may be, you know, they've had an older horse pass and, and they're looking for a good horse to take its place. And so we, on Thursday, which uh, many of the horses are arriving, and we like for the buyers to come on in early on Thursday if they can and to talk to the consigners, watch them saddling, working, interacting with their horses, um, and then in that afternoon um, at uh, 4 o'clock, we have a meet-and-greet social where we'll have some tables out and some good snacks and things, and they can kind of watch the horses demonstrate. The ranch horses will have their own session where they can demonstrate some roping and uh, working the flag or um, different things like that. We'll have a trail obstacle there for the trail horses to work on and demonstrate. And uh, then the people can come up and really talk to them and ask questions. And uh, they are able to try some of the horses um, that they might be interested in. 
Well, that's a great thing to be able to actually get on and ride something that you think you're really, really interested in. And uh, you kind of get a feel for the horse and, and what they're going through. How many horses, Jackie, do you have this year for the sale? Well, I've evolved over the years, Gary. You know, um, at, at one point it used to be the numbers. How many do you have? How many? But um, I've become more of a select sale. Yeah. And that is that people have to actually submit you know, their horse prior to consigning. And oh, that's great. And of consigning so that I can make sure we have the level of horse as far as training goes um, and all the good qualities we look for. And um, we look, and this has definitely been uh, better. So I go for quality, not quantity. So okay. it's not the numbers. It's going to be the quality of horses we offer. All right. All right. Now, do you offer the ranch horses one day and the trail horses one day, or are they mixed in? They are mixed in, but they each have their own competition to participate in. And there are some horses who will not only do the ranch horse competition, but will that evening go in and do the trail competition. And a really oh, wow. all-around horse, and we have many um, actually coming from all over the country, many from the Midwest uh, and some as far as Oklahoma coming in here who uh, actually work on ranches or actual ranch horses. And then we have the other, which are show ranch horses, Gary. And okay. this has become so popular now. Well, I know that the ranch horse competition has has really risen to the top with uh, with organizations yeah. like the AQHA. And uh, so, what can they expect to see in a ranch horse competition there, or or? going through the ranch horse competition or ranch horse routines or the trail routines? What could they actually see the horses okay. doing? Well, on Friday afternoon at 4 o'clock, we will have um, – well, first let me – can I go go back and say that we will be offering two clinics prior to the ranch horse. One of the oh, clinics wow. will be how to buy the right horse for your family. So – we, I have been doing this now for probably 18 years. Um, this will be our 22nd year of having the sale. And uh, for about 18 years, I've been talking to people on how to look for a horse that will suit them. Many people see a beautiful horse and see it performing and think, oh, I want that. But they have to ask, do I have the skills for that? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Can I take that horse home and do him justice and myself justice in being able to ride them? So uh, that talk is always very helpful. And then the second talk we give is um, about when you buy your new horse, taking it home and have it acclimate to your home properly and to you. Oh, we wow. have to remind people that that horse has been taken from a, a home that he knew with other horses that he loved with a routine that he was used to, and now he's going to someone else's home who's going to take care of him and love him, but they have to remember that that horse has to acclimate himself to his surroundings, to the new owner, as well as the horses there. So we get a big response of both those clinics that we offer of people watching that. You know, I think that's excellent. Jackie, that's excellent that you're doing that type of clinic. And uh, and I don't think I've heard of that before. So that is that's a great great benefit to both new buyers 
looking for a horse and then for new people that are taking one home for the first time. So, Yes, and we, we get a good turnout for that, and people come. And so that'll be at 12 o'clock is the first one, and 1 o'clock is the second one. And then that opens up the afternoon again to watch the horses uh, just riding around and talking to the and then we come at 4 o'clock will be our ranch horse competition. And is how that works. We will have cattle on site, and one rider will come in, and they will work the AQHA pattern number two, which okay. is a ranch horse pattern that shows the gates, um, the walk, the trot, the extended trot, and the canter and the extended canter. And it will also have um, upward and downward transitions. It will have like a spin and a half and backing the horse. So it really covers all the movements that are needed for the horse um, in the ranch horse. Okay. And then after they do that pattern, we will let a cow out. And they're the smaller ones, not the little, but kind of in between. And um, he will have to box that cow at the end of the arena. In other words, hold it. Um, basically right. cutting, but it's not judged as steeply as an actual cutting horse would be. They are able to use their reins to hold that horse. And that's for about um, 50 seconds. So we'll call time. And then they'll take that cow down the rail into a pen and pin it. And it shows that that horse is able to not only hold the cow, but he can then take and maneuver that horse and control it put it in that pen. And then after he's come in the pen, throws his hand up, he will go in the pen, drive the cow out, and then have his horse positioned so that the cowboy can rope the horse. And it wow. doesn't matter whether they catch the cow, we're looking to see how the horse maneuvers and places the rider in the proper position to rope. Oh, that's great. That's great. So it's not judged on the skill of the rider. It's judged on the skill of the horse and his ability to do That's his job. That's correct. That's great. Yes, because sometimes That's there great. will be pilot error, you know, and, and they'll make mistakes and not catch or um, be a little nervous. So we have the judges make sure that they're looking at the um, performance of the horse. And so oh, that's, that's been very popular. Yeah. So they do award prizes? Uh, well, I was just going to say that we always right. give a trophy saddle award to the winner, a beautiful wow. engraved uh, saddle that says uh, Great American Ranch uh, Horse Champion. For second place, we'll give a beautiful buckle for Reserve Champion Ranch Horse, and then we'll divide some money up between uh, the next three placings. That is great. That is great. So, And then do you do a similar thing for the uh, trail horse? Yes, we do. We will do that on Friday night. So okay. at 6.30, we have a big grand entry of sale horses where all the horses that are in the sale come riding in and uh, to some some good music, and they come in, and then they'll line up in the center of the Coliseum there. And we will have um, our national anthem and a prayer, and then uh, they head on back out, and we get ready for our trail competition. The horses will then um, come in on a course that has been set up of eight obstacles, and those obstacles, two of them they don't know. 
but six of them we put in the catalog so they're able to know. The first one is a bridge, which you can encounter many times or walking over wood planks or whatever. So that demonstrates, I'm sorry, first one are logs. We have a log, two big log boxes set up made out of big logs, and they have to step in, do a 360, step in the other 360, and then back out between two logs. And then our second is the bridge. And we may have trees and things around that bridge. Our third is a surprise obstacle. And I can't even tell you, Gary. So (laughs) (laughs) They, they find that out at the sale, what the surprise is. And um, and many times that surprise could include a live. We've had chickens, we've had calves, we've had goats. Oh my goodness! Um, several things like that you may encounter because all these obstacles, uh, we always make sure that they are all natural things you'd find on the trail or on the ranch. Wow! Our next wow. obstacle, they weave in between trees. We actually bring in some cedar trees and put them in the ground there and they have to push through. I mean, they're pretty tight where the horse has to push through. Then we have a campfire, an actual little campfire, a little propane fire going on right there. And um, we have a tent set up and different little things. Uh, We've had a a deer there standing um, and different kind of creatures and things and they have to maneuver through the camp area. The next is the surprise again. And then the very famous Great American Ranch and Trail Horse Sale Outhouse. <laughs> In the outhouse, <laughs> you have to ride up to it. You have to dismount, show that your horse will ground tie, and then you walk into the outhouse. You have to count to about four seconds, five, turn around and come out, and then you take your horse and lead it over to a stock trailer and have your horse jump in the stock trailer and oh, back wow. out. Wow. Yes. Wow. And that's our course. Wow. And that we've is had amazing. the seats now. People really enjoy watching that. And, and it's not the importance, really, of who wins. It's just to be able to see how the horses react and are responding to their rider. And if they're trying and doing and, and accepting something they've never seen before, it's always a positive. Wow. Wow. Now, Jackie, do all of the horses that are in the sale uh, enter both of those competitions or how's that done? The majority, it's optional and you can enter both if you choose. Most of the horses go in the trail competition. Um, It takes more of a specialty horse to do the ranch horse competition, but we do also give a saddle away for the trail competition and the buckle for reserve and money towards the others. So wow. um, it's it's exciting, and the people in the seats I like to applaud for each horse as they come through, their favorites. So well, it's a, a very popular. Yeah. So this is not just your average horse sale. Where That's right. You, yeah, this is not at all just your average horse sale, so. That's pretty special. Well, I was just, just checking. I was just checking, yes. Jackie. Uh, you are seven hours away from me, so I'm trying to figure out, you know, what time I'm going to leave to get up there this year. Oh, you would enjoy it so much. <laughs> you would. And so. I'd enjoy having you. And we'd, we'd, have to, we'd have to interview you for a little bit. 
because <laughs> we're live streaming, you know. We live oh, stream the sale. Yes. That and we have added the online bidding. Super. So if you're unable to attend the sale, you can sign up prior to the sale and they will uh, contact you as the horse you've chosen comes through, and you can bid online either by phone or click to bid. That is great. That is great. So the sale dates are April the 6th, 7th, and 8th, and uh, it's at the Virginia Horse Center in Lexington, Virginia. And uh, I'm going to take a quick break and come back and visit just a little bit more with Jackie Turnbull and talk more about the Great American Ranch and Trail Horse Sale. I can see it in your eyes There's no way you can disguise Staring out there at the hills And wondering what's beyond the rise One thing is perfectly clear Nothing I can say will keep you here You won't be satisfied Until you saddle up and ride I guess I knew it from the start Always had a restless heart Sometimes the wind can blow you in Sometimes it just blows you apart One thing is perfectly clear Nothing I can do will keep you here You won't be satisfied Until you saddle up and ride I'll be waiting here if you come back Love fades and in time forgets Everything but your regrets Your burden's lighter when you go The fewer you collect One thing is perfectly clear I would never try to hold you here You won't be satisfied Until you saddle up and ride Until you saddle up and ride 
Richard Aloyan. Saddle up and ride, and uh, happy birthday to Richard. It's his birthday today, so we're going to reach out to Richard and tell him happy birthday. We are talking today with Miss Jackie Turnbull of the Great American Ranch and Trail Horse Sale, and that's taking place April 6th, 7th, and 8th at the Virginia Horse Center in Lexington, Virginia. And Jackie, I want to ask, what is this special pony session that you have? Yes, this will be our third year for that, Gary. Um, I always, you know, people really want to start their children with horses, those who have loved them or had them, or their child is uh, calling for a pony um, every Christmas. So we thought this would be a good idea to add special ponies that have been there, done that, and uh, are available with um some good work and training behind them. So we put them at the very beginning of the sale, and uh, we have about 10, and they'll go from about 12, uh, two hands, 12 and a half hands to 14 hands, which wow. is still small enough but for a, a, a young rider, but not too young, and an adult to ride. So the halflingers fall in that category and um, some of the other banners do. So that's been popular with the smaller horse. Well, that is super, super, super to have that. You know, when we talk to people, it's like, how did you get involved in horses? Well, when I was a little girl or a little boy, most of the time it's a little girl. I don't know what happens to the boys. But most of the time <laughs> it's a little girl. And it's like, well, I wanted a pony for my mom and dad, and they finally got me one. And then uh, as things happen, they go away to college and raise a family, and then it's time to get back into horses again after that's done. I bet you see a lot of that. I do. I get so many people, really, who actually call me and tell me their story, the same you just said, except some of them never got the pony. They never yeah. got their husband wouldn't let them have a horse. So they finally get in their 60s, and they say, I am getting a horse. And surprisingly, many of the horses that are bought at our sale are bought from people 55 and older who want to yeah. ride or have ridden or even their first time. Yeah, well, it's amazing. It's amazing. And I've been doing this for a few years now, and it's amazing when you talk to folks that, uh, yeah, they wanted a horse, they wanted a pony, but they had to wait until their families were grown, they were finished school, they were they, <laughs> Families were grown, and finally, 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 they can get their first horse and enjoy it. So, well, you have been great to have on the show. I was going to ask this. What time does your sale start every day? Well, the Thursday, again, is the meet and greet, looking at the horses. Fridays, the clinics and competitions. And at 9.30 on Saturday morning, we'll hold the finals of the petition with the top 10 horses who had the highest scores. They'll come back for that championship. And then at 1 o'clock will be our horse sale. And we will take online bids as well as live bids. So how do they do that? How do they find your website? Can they go there and do the online bidding and register? They can register. And it will put them in touch with uh, Superior Livestock, who handles the online bids. And uh, the Superior is at our sale, and we'll be live streaming it as the sale goes along. 
And so um, if you can't make it, you can even watch it online or you can sign up to bid online. And, Gary, that's a whole new thing, this online bidding, too, that has really taken over, and it has surprised me. But um, well, it's very popular. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm I'm looking right now, so it's bid.superiorlivestock.com. Bid.superiorlivestock.com. Yeah. And the website for the Great American Trail Horse, Ranch and Trail Horse Sale is greatamericantrailhorse.com. Greatamericantrailhorse.com. And uh, head up to Lexington, Virginia and take advantage of what looks like a really fun weekend and uh, a great opportunity to get a great horse and get to meet Jackie in live and in person. That would be a cool thing, too. Well, thank you. I look forward to it. And uh, thank you for having me, Gary, and for bringing us uh, so much um, great entertainment and stories and music of that Western lifestyle that we all love. And, of course, the horse. Thank you for including us. Well, we appreciate it and so happy to have you back. Did you ever, Jackie, did you ever have anybody or heard of anybody that said, don't ever sell you a saddle boy? Always. <laughs> Always. Always. And you know, most people um, who truly love it, you just can't bring yourself to sell that last saddle. You just you can't. can't sell that saddle. We're going to listen to this yeah. song right now. It's Don't Ever Sell Your Saddle. It's Mike Blakely. Jackie, thanks for being with us today. Thank you, Gary. My pleasure. <laughs> Along the country road, I saw a saddle one fine morning. Cowboy rig for sale, the sign said tied around the horn. So I stopped to look it over, and a man in boots and hat slid off of the tailgate neath the shade tree where he sat. He said, I see you're in the market for a sure enough western cack. Well, this one here has rode the hump off more than one bronze back. I had it built in Idaho where I learned to buckaroo. Son, you've no idea the wrecks the saddles pulled me through. Don't ever sell your saddle, son, that's what my old Paul said. And I promised him I'd keep this one until the day I was dead. But through hard knocks and the coolies and troubles on the trail, now I'm down to breaking promises my saddle is for sale. Up in the badlands of Wyoming I once roped an outlaw bull But I was mounted well In straddle of this custom hull That raw hide held like steel And that tree it wouldn't crack No fancy store-bought tooling Could have held that old bull back Well, I could tell more stories, son But we'd be here all day I'm sure you got things to do And I must soon be on my way I need to buy some diesel fuel to fill up my old truck. I've got to get to Santa Fe. My paws run out of luck. Don't ever sell your saddle, son. That's what my old paw said. And I promised him I'd keep this one until the day I was dead. But through hard knocks and the coolies and troubles on the trail, now I'm down to breaking promises my saddle is for sale. 
what it cost to drive a truck to Santa Fe. And he took the cash I offered, and then he was on his way. And when he left, I carried that old saddle on my back into his barn, and I hung it there on his own saddle rack. Since cowboys won't take handouts, I saw just one trail to ride to help him keep his saddle and his promise and his pride. I just helped him get to Santa Fe. I knew he wouldn't fail, but I did not buy that saddle because some things just ain't for sale. Don't ever sell your saddle, son. That's what his old Paul said. And he promised that he'd keep it till the day that he was dead. But through hard knocks in the coolies and troubles on the trail, he was down to breaking promises his saddle was for sale. Through hard knocks in the coolies and troubles on the trail, I did not buy his saddle, cause some things just ain't for sale. sell you saddle boy that's mr mike blakely and uh this has been another fun fun show always great to have belinda gale join us and uh, she's been a good friend for a long time belinda actually hosted a show with me for a number of years uh, about seven years ago so it's always great to visit with her Teresa burleson is always so much fun and uh, if you're in the Fort Worth Stockyards area, stop by the museum there and visit with Teresa. She'd be happy to see you, but a talented, talented lady as well. And then the Great American Ranch and Trail Horse Sale, Miss Jackie Turnbull. That's coming up April 6th, 7th, and 8th in Lexington, Virginia. So put that on your calendar. But it's been another great show, and we appreciate you listening to us and joining us for that. Saturday, live from Nashville, noon, Central Standard Time. You can find that show at equestrianlegacy.net, on Spotify, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and iTunes. And my beautiful wife, Miss Mary Kay Holt, co-hosts that show with me. So a lot of fun visiting with our guests on that show. Those guests all come from the country, bluegrass, Americana, and gospel world. And so we'll have another great show this Saturday, beginning at noon, at equestrianlegacy.net. And you can catch it on all those podcast areas as well. Well, thanks for listening today. And we are going to close this show today with a great song from our buddies, the Riders in the Sky. It's one called Old Showboat. Join us next Thursday, beginning at noon Central Time, for the Campfire Cafe and Saddle Up America. Thanks for listening. I flew into Dallas, feeling kind of low. I thought I'd make me a bit of change at the rodeo. I heard the line boss saying, you ornery cowboy. A 15 bills to any man who can ride showboat. Who can ride showboat? Showboat, showboat. You old cuss, you old cuss. I'm gonna ride you or I'll bust. Hold the reins, watch him chain, watch him chain, turn him loose, that old cayuse, I'm gonna ride. They put me in the saddle, the reins were in my hand, 
Then I saw her sitting there watching from the stand. She was kind of pretty, a blonde with big blue eyes. I could see it hurt her so to see me have to ride. To see me have to ride. Showboat, showboat, that old cuss. That old cuss, I'm gonna ride him or I'll bust. Hold the rain, hold the rain. Watch him change, watch him change. Turn him loose, that guy you some gonna ride. He fucked me once a running, then he looked me in the eye. I slid down around his neck, reaching for the sky. Then he sent me flying like a little bird. Lord, I think when I came down, I ate ten pounds of dirt. Ate ten pounds of dirt. Showboat, showboat, you old cuss, you old cuss. I'm gonna ride you or I'll bust. Hold the rain, hold the rain. Ain't it a shame? Ain't it a shame? That Caillou's done throwed me loose and broke my leg. my nurse. She fixed me up with patches and love I thought was free. Till she said, now cowboy, you're gonna marry me. Gonna marry me. Showboat, showboat. You old cuss, you old cuss. You done fixed me up much worse. Just hold the reins. Hold the reins. Ain't it a shame? Ain't it a shame? I'm getting married. And oh, showboat, you're to blame. Showboat, you old cuss. I'm gonna ride you or I'll bust. Hold the reins. Ain't it a shame? I'm getting married. And oh, showboat, you're to blame. 